Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. Psychologist, author, speaker, musician, former professor, and the host of Love and Life, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. Love and Life fan favorite Dr. Duana Welch has recently published a revised and updated edition of Love Factually, 10 Proven Steps from I Wish to I Do. Dr. Welch will be back on the podcast very soon to talk about all the new research that she's put in the revised version of her book. Although, spoiler alert, nothing has changed. All the recent research has just confirmed the dating advice and the recommendations she made in the first version of the book. Dr. Welch and I recently went live on Instagram. It was her very first live to talk about the new research and also some of the questions she and I hear all the time about how to date as a high status woman. What does that mean? Why is it actually the exact opposite of playing games or playing hard to get? Dr. Welch shares her scripts for communicating your standards in a respectful and practical manner. Dr. Welch practices what she preaches. She is, yes, a psychologist and an expert on science-based dating, but she is also a woman who was recently back on the dating scene herself and just over a year ago met her partner on an app. As per usual, Dr. Welch brought so much great content in this conversation. I wanted to be sure you were able to avail yourself of all her wisdom and science-based dating advice. My Instagram live with Dr. Welch right after this. I'd love to connect with you via my weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life email list ensures you're the first to know everything going on in the Love and Life family. You'll receive insider perk pricing for consultations and events, and it's the best way to keep in touch when I do what the research suggests is very healthy and take breaks from social media. Subscribe on my website, loveandlifemedia.com. And as a bonus, you'll get my free Empowered Dating Playbook. Because we know how the process works, biology or mating psychology, it still works. And you can be really quite vocal. And one thing I did want to address when I saw a question come in, and it definitely relates to exactly what you're talking about, can we be very clear with our standards? Can we, can we date high status without, and I know you've heard this one so often, Dr. Welch, without feeling like I'm playing game? Yeah, my favorite thing, I'll tell you, I have urged the publisher to take down the first edition of my book everywhere. It's taking a little while to happen, but one reason is that the first edition could be construed as game playing. And I'm very, very, very clear in the second edition I don't want you to do that. That's not really, I'm not asking you to play like your high status. I'm asking you to do things that are high status and to let the results follow. I'm asking you to do things that will nurture your sense that you really are worthwhile and that you really are worth a man courting. I've had women hire me who've said just, you know, I just want to be courted once in my life. Can this happen? I don't think it can ever happen. All of them have been. All of them have been now. But it involves a set of behaviors and, you know, I've just become a lot more clear, especially in the second edition. You can just say what's going on with you. You can just say, and I'll give you an example from my own dating life because I have 100% permission from me to talk about me. 
Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I don't So when I was talking to my sweetheart, who we've been together for 14 months now, you know, we got together two weeks after I told you on one of your podcasts that I had just had this feeling I was about to meet the guy. I did. And I told him on our first phone call, I said, look, you know, it seems like we're a really good fit. And I would really like to hear from you again. I'm really enjoying talking to you. And I really like you. Being high status is not the same thing as being coy. I told him point blank that I liked him. I'll tell you most things that I do, I have a knowledge base, so I know what I'm doing, but it would be my natural inclination to say to somebody that I like that I like them. That is my natural inclination. If it's not yours though, it's not game playing to do what works if you really like him. Mm -hmm. Don't tell people you like him if you don't. But if you do like someone, research indicates the number one thing that any of us can do, and it doesn't matter, matter our gender, our orientation, any of it, our age, none of it. What matters the most in terms of attracting someone is saying that we like them. It automatically raises our stock. Here's another example. Let's say that you're feeling really weird about, okay, I understand now exactly why it's to my emotional advantage, my dating advantage, all the advantages for me to wait to have full on sex until the man that I am interested in asks me to be exclusive, says he loves me, doesn't just say it, does things that add up to that. But I feel really weird. I feel like it'll never happen. I don't know what to do. You can say, and I have said, and I said to my sweetheart, who, by the way, recently gave me permission to just tell everything. <laughs> I'm so happy about that. Yay. This makes it easier. <laughs> yeah, it does. So one of the things that I said to him and that I said in general was, you know, we're just getting to know each other and I don't know whether this will work out or not, but I just wanted to let you know, I do things a little differently than a lot of people do them. And I said, well, you know, I know a lot of people, you know, they instantly stop seeing everybody once they start talking to somebody they're interested in, or they instantly have sex and then they see if a relationship develops. And I just want to let you know, if that's your MO, that's fine. I'm not here to tell you how to live your life, but I want to let you know how I live mine. Mm -hmm. And how I live mine is I don't get exclusive with someone that I don't feel like I know pretty well. And I don't have sex with people who haven't asked me to be exclusive and shown that they're really emotionally devoted to me where I feel the same way about them. I just don't do that. I've found that it's not to my advantage. It doesn't feel right. So I'm not saying how you have to live your life, but I'm just saying if you decide that you want us to have a relationship, that's I'm just giving you a big hint as to how it goes with me. And, you know, I never had anybody who wanted a relationship walk away because of that. I had people who just wanted to hit it and quit it walk away, but I mean, that's why I say that in part. Right. What you want is to create a tipping point. And you know, Dr. Karen, we've talked about this on podcasts that we've done together before. In dating, there are men who are kind of in longer term mode and there are men who are in shorter term mode. And all men have both those programs running in tandem. Most men do want to get into a permanent relationship. Most of them eventually want to get married. And the most likely group to want to get married is men who've been married before. So it's not like that actually turns them away from marriage. But they don't want to just marry anybody. Women have spent all of human history and prehistory selectively breeding with men who offered what we want. And one of the biggest things we want is commitment, which means that men who are living today want commitment too. They want to offer that, but they don't just want to offer it to everybody. They want to offer it to somebody that they look up to, 
because men see life as a hierarchy. They're either looking up, up at you or down at you, and they do not want to marry the woman they're looking down at. They want to marry the woman that they look up to, and that woman expresses her standards pretty clearly and lives according to them. So what you do when you are bold and you say, this is, this is how I live my life. I'm not telling you how to live yours, but this is how I do it for me. Right. Notice that's not coy. It's not playing games. Oh. I'm actually extremely straightforward. Right. But it is high status because I'm saying, I have a lot of value. I know what I want. I don't settle for less. And you know what? It's up to you whether that works for you. I'm just saying it how it is. It tips out the players because players think, I know exactly what they think. They think, too much work. I just wanted to get laid. Somebody else will let me just get get on and get off and get out. Mm -hmm. I'll go for her. It's kind of like how a lot of burglaries are opportunistic. They go to houses, they try doorknobs, and the doors that are open, they go in because then it's not breaking and entering. In mm -hmm. fact, your insurance company won't pay out. Whoa. I didn't know yeah. that. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, it, yeah, the parallel is, is perfect. Yeah. 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 They're going to go to another house where the door is already open. The players will, will leave you and you want that. For example, here's another thing. Women who think that they can't afford to ask for a phone call because guys think it's too much work. Players mm -hmm. think it's too much work, which is why you need to ask for it. Mm -hmm. Because you tip in the stairs. The stairs think, ooh, she has, there's something about her. My son and I went to see Beauty and the Beast when the animated version came out. And in it, Gaston says to, to LeFou, Belle doesn't throw herself at me. What, what is it that makes that so appealing? Mm -hmm. And LeFou says, dignity? And Gaston <laughs> says, it's marvelously attractive, isn't it? And I thought, you know, a cartoon has, has encapsulated all of mating psychology Right there. Now, obviously, we don't want Gaston. He's an ass. <laughs> but then yeah. generally, the kind ones and the not so kind ones, they want a woman who can tell them, I have standards. And I only say yes to men who meet them. If you have just a few seconds to help me out, I would so appreciate it. You can do so by heading over to Apple Podcasts giving us a five-star rating and a few sentences of review that helps others find the program and join the love and life family. You have a comment here from Christy. She says, I think women may be surprised how much men love when women take the wheel. Duana taught me to tell guys not to text, but actually have a phone conversation. And men I went on dates with loved that. So to communicate very directly your expectation, your standard, and then to watch the guys who, like you said, the stayers are going to be intrigued because you're demonstrating overtly and then covertly by the way that you behave, your dignity and your high status. And again, I know people get tripped up with that high status. And I, whenever I share your work, I'm always like, it's not about Gucci and coach bags and no. Manola Blanc, whatever those shoes are. I don't even know. I don't wear that stuff. But, so it's about just knowing your dignity and how can that be playing games? It's the opposite. It's so refreshing, I think, when it's done correctly, which is what you are trying to share with us, examples of how to do it. And, of course, make it fit your own true sense of self and who you are, your authentic way of behaving. I just love it, and I'm glad to hear that feedback. You guys, thank you so much for sharing the feedback. That's the fun thing about a live. You can interact with us. There's a question bubble at the bottom. Feel free to ask a question. We had a couple questions that came in over the last a day, which we'll address here in a few minutes. But I didn't want to cut you off, but I wanted to make sure we spoke to that since it was right on point there. 
I love a couple points. First of all, thank you so much for speaking up and telling me what your experience was. That just feels wonderful. I had the same experience. You know, one of the reasons I cut my hair off, I knew that I was going to start dating. And I thought, am I going to grow my hair out again? And then I thought, no, I'm not. I'm going to show to the world that a woman in her 50s who almost never dresses up and wears extremely little makeup can cut off almost all her hair and do this and not compromise. You can make this happen. And I have a PhD, which men by and large do not find hot. And <laughs> when I was, they don't. And when I was on when I was on a dating site, you know, as soon as I shared my real name, of course, you know what everybody does now. They Google. There were 72 podcast episodes and seven books out. <laughs> like it wasn't so I had so many things that should have worked against me. The right. things that I teach people, they just work. They just do because mating psychology hasn't changed at all. You know, here's the thing. The men who want a partner, they actually don't like it when women offer everything up. They like a little bit of challenge. Their feeling is if you have the self-esteem to have standards, then that means that when I win your heart, you will not be easily won by someone else. I know that sounds like cavemanish and not enlightened, but it is what it is. That's how they feel about it. So men who are in long-term mode, who want a, a wife and a lot of men, and they hire me, they want to get married. They're excited when you have standards because it means future wife material to them. It means they can give you a closer look. Well, don't we all want something that's special? And it, it feels less special if you feel like this person would behave any old way with any old body. No, they want to know that, oh, she has standards. And that means if I meet those standards, that says something about me too. There's a bit of that reciprocity about the feeling of, of recognizing that you are someone of value, which we all are, but if we don't behave in that way, that doesn't really matter. We know we have inherent dignity, but if we're not demonstrating that through our behavior and our, in our relationships, then uh, someone's going to perceive us as, as being less than it's, it's not being as valuable. Yeah. We can't expect people to adhere to our standards if we won't even convey them and adhere to them adhere to them ourselves. And so what, what my clients and I have found in requiring the phone call and just not communicating anymore, if they don't offer it up, like you don't need to get all head up about it. If they don't call you, you haven't even stopped dating for them anyway. You're just getting to know them. So you're just moving on about your life. You're, you're not even thinking about, I got this note from a guy who had asked for my number and he was going to text. I could just tell he was going to text and because that's what people do. And I said, you know, here's my number. Here's my real name. I'd appreciate your real name and number ahead of the call so that my cell carrier doesn't send you to outer darkness. It doesn't let people through if the name isn't in my yeah. phone. And I would appreciate hearing your voice rather than seeing your text. I get to know people better that way. And then he proceeded to text. I ignored it. A week went by and he wrote to me again. He said, I'm wondering why we haven't met in person yet. And I typed back. I was laughing my ass off while this happened. <laughs> I, I, I just think it's hilarious. So I, I typed back probably because you said you would call and then you never did. <laughs> and then he wrote back, I'll never understand women. And I thought, maybe not, but not my problem. And I never communicated with him again. It was fine with me because I didn't get attached to somebody. Right. Don't give men more of your heart space and head space than they have already given you. Yes. Just don't yes. give them commitment that they didn't ask for and they don't deserve. Oh, don't I love that. that. I love that. And it's, again, it's something that demonstrates 
our value. And at first it might be awkward. Maybe we're trying to make some changes. We know that we've been behaving in a low status manners and we want to start changing. At first it may feel like, whoa, I do feel like I'm playing games or gosh, I'm nervous that if I don't do the reaching out and the pursuing that I won't get what I want. But once you start behaving this manner, you start believing it yourself. So it really reinforces oh. your own sense of dignity and self-worth. Yeah, I actually put it in my profile that, you know, I was looking for a man. And of course, you know, you've seen profiles that I've written. And it looks like some of my clients are on here and I've written profiles with and for them. And I always write the profile about the person that's being sought, not about the person who is on the ad. And one of the things I said on my profile was describing him in the third person. So I said, he likes calling and asking a girl on a date. His courtship is from the 1990s and she appreciates it and him. I just put it out there. And when men would call me, I would say, thanks so much for calling and not texting. I really appreciate that. You know, I really love it when a guy does kind of the traditional courtship things. And again, who leaves when you say that? I'll tell you who leaves. Narcissists? Yeah. Narcissists leave. Good. Yeah. But players leave. Sociopaths leave because they feel very entitled. Mm -hmm. um, and men who are just plain out lazy and have no self-esteem. None of these would make good life partners. Notice who you're who you're letting go. And you know, a lot of my confidence comes from, I know the science, I know for sure that this is how it works, so I don't have any hesitations. And the thing I commonly tell my clients is, borrow my faith. I'm not asking you to believe it right now, I'm asking you to just try to do something differently just for two or three months, and see if your life changes. If it doesn't, go back to doing what you were doing before. But isn't it worth a try? Because the reason you're hiring me is what you were doing before wasn't really working for you. And I will tell you, I've never yet had a client go back to doing how doing it how she did before. I've never. They're amazed by the results. It's just phenomenal because we all. There's never been a perfume called desperation, and there never will be. And so yes. When I talk about high status, you're so right, Dr. Karen. I am not talking about how you dress. I'm not talking about whether you live in the right zip code. I am not talking about whether you went to the best schools. I'm not talking about any of that. I am talking about conveying through your behavior that you do not accept just anyone into your life, that you have appropriate standards for a partner who gets to have full access to your heart and your body, and that you value yourself enough to adhere to those standards yourself. And so going back to uh, the whole courtship thing, if, if you are hearing this and thinking, well, easy for her to do or easy for other people to do, but, and you have some reason behind the but, yeah. you can get around your feeling of awkwardness by simply using words to tell the man what you want. You can say on the first phone call, you know, so many men expect that I'm going to do half the calling or I'm going to meet them for the date or I'm going to pay for my way or whatever. And I just want to let you know that I don't do that. And the reason I don't do that is the kind of men who expect that they're just never the right kind of guy for me. So it's not that I, you know, live in the 1950s or wish that I did. It's that I am, I, do, I go with what works and that works for me. Again, are who does that get rid of? Are you guys writing down these scripts? I love Dr. Welch's scripts because it's just, it's so just very simple but meaty. You're saying a lot in a very benign and, and kind and respectful way that's just communicating 
they, I've just found that those kind of relationships don't end up working for me. So this is how I behave. I mean, that's just, it's the opposite of playing games, but I understand how we can get it twisted a little bit and sometimes feel like it feels like game playing. Because again, I think sometimes we have been raised under the assumption that getting back to the point we made earlier, that men and women should behave similarly. And especially when it comes to dating and mating, they do not, they will not, even as much as someone might say, oh, I'm going to be empowered and I'm going to make the move and I'm going to chase him and I'm going to, and frankly, unfortunately for women, and it, it does break my heart for my women in my community is that so often, no one's trying to confuse anyone, but the confusion does happen. A woman believes I'm a woman of the new millennium and I am empowered. And some of the behaviors that they then engage in are the exact opposite because like you're saying, None of this has changed since the dawn of time. We had some questions coming in, so I want to get to those then when you Good. get your point. I just want to underscore, highlight, and put in bold and italics, and then put stars around something that you just said because it's so spot on. Women are powerful. We are actually the more powerful person in dating. I know it doesn't often feel that way, but we are. Ask any man who likes women. And the reason we're so powerful is we get to say no. Mm -hmm. When men pursue us, they know that we can and usually will reject them. Did you know in most species, only 10% of males ever get to mate ever in their life? Ever. Wow. Females drive evolution. We drive evolution. And I'm a pretty powerful person. I mean, I've started my own company. I have seven books out. Eight, if you count that one's in its second edition now and is, is probably going to be picked up in multiple languages again. You know, I see clients all over the world. I have a PhD, a master's, a bachelor's degree. I'm a bold person. I am not trying to undercut women's power. I believe in women and I believe in our power and I believe evolution shows that we are the more powerful actually. But when we decide we're going to do men's job for them, they don't emotionally connect with that. I ask you, as I asked myself years and years ago, what feels more powerful? Having a man pursue me and then I can say yes or no, or I chase him and he loses interest and my feelings are hurt because I don't know what just happened here. What feels a lot more powerful to me is to tell men what my standards are and then just go on with my life and see who matches those standards. Don't emotionally invest in them till they're invested in me. When I met Carrie, which is my sweetheart's name, and he is the cutest man in the world. <laughs> oh my gosh, he is so beautiful in every way. When I met him, I knew pretty quickly that he was probably it because we had real conversations right out the gate and about our values and our backgrounds. And I just thought, you know, I'm his person. I'm his kind of person and he's my kind of person. And I don't know if this will work, but if it doesn't, that won't be the reason why. And I told him straight out, you know, I really like you a lot. And no matter how much I like you, I'm not taking my profile down until someone differentiates himself enough and asks me to be exclusive. I'm not doing that. So I just want to let you know, because I know a lot of women, they automatically take their profile down. They devote themselves to a guy who has, hasn't even asked for it, which men perceive as controlling, actually, and um, as desperate. And I said, I'm, I'm not controlling and I'm not desperate. And so I just want to let you know, my profile's staying up there. I said on my profile, it's going to be up here till 30 days from now. And it is. And I'll put it back up. And anyway, um, on the 30th day, he said, 30 days have come. Please pick me. 
<laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's so good. But I didn't stop seeing him. You know, I mean, I didn't stop seeing other people. I will say I started feeling sorry for everybody who wasn't him. Mm -hmm. Because I just, I knew that I was going to fall in love with him. I wasn't in love with him yet, but I knew that I would. Mm -hmm. And I could tell he was, he was going to do that with me too. And it was so, it's so exciting. When you do it this way, your amount of, of worry, you are a powerful woman. You don't, you don't leave that at the door. You're still powerful, but you're powerful in the way that works. And it feels so freeing mm -hmm. to live your life. Mm -hmm. And wait for the men who care about you to distinguish themselves. That's what they're supposed to do. And it's so valuable, too. And I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but my community knows that I was dating. Dan and I met in August, and then we didn't become exclusive until January. Now, he had just gotten divorced, so that was good timing. He shouldn't be rushing right into something at that point. And it was valuable for me to continue to date other people. Because at some point, a couple months in, I was like, I kind of feel like I'm cheating on Dan. Like, I, that was telling me. And it sounds like you knew very quickly about you and Carrie. And I did too, but I was 40, right? I mean, I've been around the block. And I wanted to just take my time and let the relationship develop naturally. Of course, he didn't know I was still seeing other people. I didn't know he was seeing other people. It wasn't my business. It wasn't his business, what we were doing. Exactly. exactly. And I'll tell you, this process is so much easier for not having sex with them. Oh, yeah. If, if I'm having sex with a guy, but I tell him I'm dating around, what he hears is I'm sleeping around. And mm -hmm. that tells men something they don't want to hear, which is I might cheat on you later. That's how they construe that. It just is. It doesn't matter what your mouth says at that point. It matters what your body is doing. Right. So, yeah, that was something I also made very clear. I don't sleep with any of them, but I do date around until somebody that I care about asks me to be exclusive. I did not know that Carrie was the one for me. I knew that he was a possible one for me. Mm -hmm. And I knew that if things proceeded as they were, it would probably work, which is it's a great feeling, but he still had to do the work, you know, and I had, mm -hmm. and I had to do my part too. My part was to be enthusiastic and encouraging about all the things he was doing that I really liked. And that's basic operant conditioning for you people. It will serve you well in every aspect of your life. When somebody does something that you like, tell them that you like it. Mm -hmm. That's not manipulative. It's helpful. People yeah. do more of what, of what they know that you like. Men want to, um, they want to please the women that they care about. Mm -hmm. And if you tell somebody what you like and they don't want to do it, then. Right. And they want to be appreciated. But Dan says men want to be appreciated and they want affection. And so if he's doing something to please me, then the appreciation needs to follow. And absolutely, then we get that reinforcement that you're speaking to. Yeah, I was on a podcast once where this guy said that he disagreed with me about women paying their fair share. And I said, so let me present you with a scenario. and You tell me how you would feel about it. I'm talking to a man here. And I said, so let's assume that you go on a date. She doesn't pull out her purse or her wallet and you pay. And she says, Brad, that was such an, a terrific dinner. And I really appreciate what a gentleman you were taking me out and getting me dinner. And I just think you're great. And he goes, wow, if a woman said that to me, I would never want her to pay for anything. That's what I really want. <laughs> when women say I'm not paying my fair share, men who are good men do not want you to do that. Men who are good men who are in mating mode, they want to differentiate themselves from the crowd and win you over. So if you just 
give yourself to them right away, they don't feel special. They don't feel a sense of accomplishment. They didn't get to do their part of the human mating ritual, which is peacocking for us. They want to do that. They don't want to do it for everybody, but they do want to do it for a woman they think is special. So when you don't reach and pay, you cause them to ask a very important question, which is, is she special to me? Mm -hmm. If you're not, they do resent paying, in which case, bye, thank you for saving me the time. Right. If they do care about you, there's something called cognitive dissonance theory, which I'm not going to get into. But basically it says when we do something, if we kind of mildly enjoy it, we will enjoy it even more and we'll connect with it even more. What happens with them is they realize, oh, I paid and I enjoyed it. I must really like her. It's the same with my clients who say, you know, I live long distance from the guys that I'm trying to see because I live in a small town. I'm dating, you know, far away and no guy's going to want to do this. And what I say is most guys aren't going to want to, but the men who think that you are special to them, when they drive, what they're going to think is as they're driving home, I can't wait to see her again. Mm-hmm. Carrie and I live two hours apart because I'm one of those women who lives in a small place and half the men in my state, half of them live two hours away from me. <laughs> They're all in one city that I don't live in. And so on the first phone call, I said, you know, I live in Eugene, you live in Portland. I could live anywhere, but I don't want to. I really want to stay here. And so I'm wondering, you know, if this worked out, how would you feel about relocating? And he said, for the right person, I would do that. Guess what he's doing in seven weeks? He's relocating. Yes, he is. He's moving down to Eugene. And as you know from reading my book, we're not engaged yet. I'm sure we will be soon. We're talking about it. But he's he's moving near me, but not in with me. We're going to see each other all the time, which I can't wait. It's going to be so much fun. And, you know, but he's doing the things. Um, in my new edition, a former client allowed me to quote him. And he drove five hours each way to see his fiance, his wife now. He drove five hours each way. And what he told me when, when we first met was he was feeling so much anxiety because every time he drove away, he felt like he needed to throw up all the way back home. It just felt so wrong for him to leave her. Uh-huh. If he lived next door, he wouldn't have gotten that feeling. He wouldn't have known how much he cared. When men do things for you, you are giving them a gift. Mm-hmm. And that is the gift of clarity. You're giving you both that gift. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We know when we like a man, partly because of how much effort he's making. Men know when they love us, partly because of how much effort he's making. Let him make the effort. I love that. That's so helpful. Have you heard? You can now listen to my book, Single is the New Black. Don't wear white till it's right. As you know, I wrote the book I wish had been available to me when I was single. So obviously, it's not about how to snag a man. Rather, it's all about how to stay strong amidst single shaming and remain true to yourself and never settle for anything less than an extraordinary relationship. Find it on Audible or iTunes. And for a free sample, check out Chapter 11 of Single is the New Black in Episode 145 of Love and Life. Let's get to a couple of these questions that came in. Sure. How to work on being vulnerable and open when it's Mm. hard to keep being so resilient after Mm. multiple heartbreaks? Yeah. Well, anybody who has listened to podcasts with me knows that I've been through multiple 
heartbreaks myself. My first edition of my book and in my single parents book, I talk a lot about a guy named Vic who I was married to for 12 years. And, you know, I loved him and we were together for all that time and we were married for 12 years. And I said a lot of great things about him, all of which were true. And then about seven years into our marriage, he started drinking really heavily. And I had lost my son's father over that. And I had been very clear with men I dated from the very outset that if that issue became an issue in any future relationship, it wouldn't last. The relationship wouldn't. And it wouldn't matter how long the relationship had lasted, whether we were married, anything. I was just done with that particular issue. He couldn't stop. And we are now divorced, which is why I have been on the mating market again in my 50s, which I never expected. I really thought we would be together till we died. So I understand the challenge of resilience after heartbreak. I've been through multiple heartbreaks and I have felt like I was just going to die. I felt heartbreak where I just thought I'm going to lie here on the floor and cry until I expire from sadness. Mm -hmm. How you become vulnerable again is that you don't open up right away. This is gonna sound counterintuitive. I don't want you to share all of yourself with every person that you meet. I want you to view this like layers of an onion or chapters of a book. You know how when you read a book, there's an intro chapter that says, here's what we're gonna cover in this book. But it doesn't tell you everything that's in the book. It doesn't go into detail about the chapters. That's what the chapters do. You have to make it a certain amount through the book before you get all the meat of that. I want you to treat dating the same way. Don't lie about who you are and what you've been through, but don't give them the whole chapter. Mm -hmm. So, for example, if someone asked me, you know, have you been married before? I would say, yeah, I have. And if they said, can you tell me about what happened? I would say, well, yeah, drug addiction, alcoholism. And yeah, it was hard. And, you know, I've decided that my options are don't try again ever or nail it and get the love of my life. And I'm going with choice B. <laughs> yeah. You know, what I just said is completely honest, but I didn't go into the nitty gritty of how soon in, what the drugs were, how much alcohol, what kind, how long that happened. Uh, did we go to counseling? Those are chapters way further in the book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So your vulnerability needs to, in a way, be calculated. Calculated sounds like it's manipulated, but again, I want you to feel safe. Ultimately, we don't really choose marriage partners because they're exciting. We choose them because they make us feel safe and heard and loved, or at least that's why we should choose them. And I want you to behave in such a way that people who aren't safe for you don't get huge pieces of you that when you find out they're not safe, they then carry out into the world and can tell everybody. And it's an opportunity for you to feel even less safe. I want you to tell them true things that are the outer layer of the onion or the intro chapter of the book. And then as they show you they deserve your trust, you get further and further in. Yeah. And then the vulnerability will, it'll happen naturally. And you will have had that sense of enough time with this person, watching this person in multiple contexts, seeing how he treats a random stranger. And, mm -hmm. and so you start to develop this sense of safety. I, that vulnerability is a question I get a lot too. And I, I don't know if it's because there's this like Brene Brown vulnerability stuff out there that people think they need to just let it all hang out. And, and that's just so not safe, like you said. Yeah, wholehearted people. I love Brene Brown. You know, I quote her in my books. But wholeheartedness is not the same thing as the Vulcan mind meld. Wholeheartedness means I am who I am across situations and I feel that I am enough. That's wholeheartedness. 
And wholehearted people are vulnerable, but they aren't vulnerable all at once and with everyone. Be who you are, but don't tell all of your truth to just anybody just because they asked. It's okay to tell somebody, let's say that on a first date, somebody asks you the question that, that I teach people to ask, which is, if your ex were here right now, what would they say was the reason for your breakup? There are layers to that answer. The first answer could be, well, my ex uh, had an affair and, you know, we tried to work it out, but it just didn't work. That's honest. And it's not the super vague things just didn't work, which let me tell you, if somebody says things just didn't work, no, that's not a good enough answer. That's, that's so surface, you're not going to get anywhere with that person. But um, especially if you say, well, in what way? and they just won't give you anything, just move on. They're just not gonna give you anything. Um, also beware of the person who tells you absolutely every detail. You're looking for someone who understands appropriate boundaries and a wholehearted person actually does understand that I am who I am and who I am is enough. But part of that enoughness is I don't have to share my whole story with you. Right. I can share the parts of it that feel safe right now. Here's an example. I've worked with a number of people who have incurable STIs. They've got HIV or they've got herpes. And they wonder, should I just tell somebody my status up front? All of us have had things happen in our past, which other people are not and should not be privy to instantly. So um, let's say you've been sexually assaulted. That's another thing a lot of Women is, well, men too, they feel very vulnerable about, about saying that. There's a very recent study that gives a crystal clear answer on whether you should say this up front. And the answer is, hell no. The recent study shows that in dating profiles, if people reveal that they have a victim status, they don't get responded to nearly as much as somebody who doesn't reveal that, even if it's true. Reasons for that. People think you're a loose cannon. People think that if you have self-respect that you wait a while to say that, it's not even that you have these statuses that's the troubling thing to them, it's that you didn't have any boundaries around sharing it. So yeah. share the amount of information that makes sense given the level of actual connection in the relationship. And what that means is, if you don't know really personal things about them, don't share really personal things about you. And you might think, oh, that's catch 22, what if they're watching this? you will establish a natural rhythm of sharing slightly more. Mm -hmm. There was research many, many years ago that proved that when we share slightly more, the other person will too, it's called mirroring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so share slightly more about yourself every time you talk to them and they will share slightly more, or maybe they do the leading in that area, but you don't get there all at once. You can observe whether somebody is kind and respectful. And as anybody who's listened to my podcast knows, those are the, most important criteria around around the world actually for choosing a life partner people say that's the most important and empirically it is the most important thing you can observe that in how they talk about their ex how they talk to strangers to your point dr karen um, seeing them in multiple contexts and how they treat people the worst way that a person treats other people especially somebody that they've been close to is how you will be treated mm -hmm. it just is so Often you'll find out that somebody is a potential abuser or just not very kind of respectful before you've shared much about yourself. Good. Right. Good. The HIV status thing. 
that's something you share when you've realized you're probably going to be completely sexual with this person and that a bond has started to form and that you trust that this person wouldn't share the information with someone else. Well, that takes a little while to figure out. It might take, you know, maybe a month, maybe two months, but it doesn't happen the first time you talk. I think that's really clarifying. There was a comment that came in just trying to find that balance between being genuine and authentic, but also not just laying your cards on the table because that's just not safe. I just love the way you put that, framing it in terms of safety. It's so great connecting with all of you via the podcast, and I would love to meet you IRL. If your organization is looking for a speaker for your next event, check out my website, go to the speaking page, and see the content that I love to talk about. Just like on the podcast, in my speeches, I cover a wide array of topics grounded in psych research, of course. I'd love to meet you and share strategies for thriving in all realms of love and life with you and your organization. I cannot recommend Dr. Karen enough as your speaker at your event. As my keynote speaker, she completely set the tone of compassion, self-love, and authenticity that bled into everything we did for the rest of the event. She was incredibly prepared and present and went above and beyond when it came to sharing the event with her audience. Her knowledge, magnetic energy, and expertise while on stage is one thing. It will be everything you'd hope for and more for your audience. But her giving spirit and willingness to do more than simply show up when it's time to go on is icing on the cake. She walks her talk, and by the end of working with her, I was wishing she lived down the block from me for weekly meetups. For more information and to book me to speak at your next event, contact my producer, Tim May. Tim at loveandlifemedia.com. We've got one from Kara. She says, just bought the revised book. As a highly educated, phenomenal black woman, what tips do you have for me to attract and date a phenomenal man? Okay, so first of all, Kara, thank you so much for buying the book and for making your comment. And first of all, I would advise that you know what your standards are. The book's going to help you a lot with knowing which standards everyone needs, no matter their background. And knowing which standards maybe you can compromise on and then adhering diligently to your must-have standards, conveying those in a profile that's about him, not about you, and then knowing how to, and actually following up behaviorally on vetting for those must-have standards. Right away, don't wait. If you know that, like one of my must-haves is he has to be a feminist. And by he has to be a feminist, I mean he has to believe that my rights are as important as, as his. Do you know there's a recent study that shows that most heterosexual people, women and men, think that men are more entitled to sexual pleasure than women are? What the fresh hell? I did not see that study. Oh, yeah. It just came out very recently. Wow. I know. And this might shed light on one reason why in heterosexual relationships, more men actually do have an orgasm than women do. I mean, what the heck? So one of my requirements was he has to be a feminist. He has to think my pleasure is as important as his, if not even more. Good men want to get you off. They want that. So I would encourage you to first look at your standards and then screen for those standards. You don't actually have to be in bed with a guy to know whether he cares about your sexuality. 
you can tell by how he kisses you and how he touches you and if you give him feedback does he incorporate the feedback into his behavior when you're making out with him and when you're not does he incorporate what you want into how he lives as far as you mentioned your race so i'm assuming that you are asking me and correct me if i'm wrong about this that you're asking me kind of specifically given that uh, black women indeed are bypassed more often than women of um, other backgrounds and and it's just true it shouldn't be but it is how do you date most effectively don't lower your standards for kindness and respectfulness ever but do lower and i encourage a lot of people to do this do lower your standards for they have to have the same amount of education they need to feel like a peer when you're talking to them but you know what there's some very well educated people who are self-educated carrie and i don't have the same number of degrees he has two bachelor's degrees i have a bachelor's master's phd a certification I've written a bunch of books. He hasn't written any books, but I, he is not my inferior in any way. And I think this holds true for everybody, actually. Keep in mind, there are a bunch of men who are simply being shut out of mating and good men because they didn't get a bachelor's degree. But you know what? There are good men who didn't get a bachelor's degree who are very successful, very smart, extremely self-educated, interesting people. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't cast those guys aside at all. I didn't make that a criterion of mine at all when I was dating, any time that I was dating. Another thing, um, you will be better off if you're willing to date someone who's about 10 years older than you are because men vastly prefer youth and beauty and they will compromise on a lot of other standards if they can get it. I know that there's a way to instantly be the young hottie forever and be desirable forever you don't have to change anything you don't have to change your skincare routine your exercise whether you diet your weight nothing nothing you don't have to change anything and all it is date a man about 10 years older than you are that's all it is if you don't want to do that then yeah you might need to change some other things but you know don't get radical with it you know a great irony in life is the number of women who've hired me who are so much better looking than i am who've had such a hard time with this, but it's because in large part, they're almost so good looking that men only see them as a sex object. So one thing I work with them on is how do you be seen not that way? Mm -hmm. And then the other thing is most women are valuing things that aren't important. Okay, I'm just gonna ask you a quick question. Does anybody out there know what percentage of men in the United States are six foot four? All right, give us your give us your best guess. Let the put it in the comments. Don't go googling it. <laughs> yeah, googling is unfair. I got to google it because I wrote a book. You don't get to google. <laughs> it takes a little. There's a little bit of a delay as the comments come in, so they'll they'll be getting. All right, sure. ten. Chrissy says ten percent. We've got ten. We've got answers: ten percent, fifteen percent, two percent, one percent, three percent. Okay, five percent. All right, so. The vast majority of women, 80% on this continent and many other continents say they must have a man who is six feet tall or taller. There's stat number one for you. The average height of men in North America is five foot nine. Six foot four is the same percentage of men as the percentage of people in North America who have type one diabetes or schizophrenia, 1%. Look. If you want to succeed, don't put yourself with the guys that every woman thinks that they want. Don't do it.
be open to dating men who are your height and maybe even a little shorter. Carrie and I were out at the coast last weekend and we were walking along and I saw a couple where the woman was a head taller than the man. That's no longer a head turning thing. It's not the deal that it used to be. And a lot of women really don't want that. Now I know why you don't want it. It's because our mating psychology hasn't changed. In the ancient past, a man who was larger than a woman and who was larger than most other men could physically protect a woman, his woman from being raped. Mm -hmm. That's why women prefer that. No woman is consciously, necessarily consciously aware of that. They don't, I've never had a woman say, because I ask women, why do you want that? No one has ever said, because he'll be big enough to make sure I don't get raped. No one ever says that, but that's where that comes from. Mm-hmm. Look, and, and people think that it makes him a better provider and protector. I'm not going to lie to you. There is a slight wage premium for men being over six feet tall. Mm-hmm. But again, that's on average. It's not every man. And by overvaluing that, women are losing out on men that really could have made them happy. Now, I've lost some credibility recently on this score because there have been a lot of people who follow my personal Facebook page who've seen pictures of Carrie and me and have noted that he is taller than I am. And that's not something that ever was part of my past really, or not very often. I'm thinking, yeah, I guess I dated a couple of guys who were tall, but not very often. He's very tall. And I will tell you, um, I'm gonna give you a hint. If you just can't compromise on this, maybe you can try this trick. The trick is on your profile, say that you prefer men who are your height. So in my profile, I actually said, I prefer men who are 5'5 to 5'9, I'm 5'5. Now, the truth is, I actually did prefer that. And if something happened to Carrie, I would still prefer that. I I don't understand the fascination with, I I get it from an evolutionary viewpoint, but you know, most people, evolution tells us how most people behave most of the time. Science tells us, social science tells us how most people behave most of the time. We all have areas where we're exceptions. I'm an exception in this area, that does not matter to me. So I put that in there and I wanted to send a clear signal to shorter men, I'm not gonna reject you on this basis. I like you. And I figured I would get a lot more hits that way. Well, I did from really tall men and they would all say, but, but you have to like me, I'm tall, because they're used to everyone wanting them. It's called reactance. It's a phenomenon where when people feel like their their sense of freedom has been threatened, then they react against that. They push back against that. And so when I said, I don't want you tall guys, the tall guys came running. So here are the heights of the men who came after me at that point, six foot eight, seriously. That would be super unattractive to me, I got to tell you. Um, six foot five. Several people are six foot four, six foot two, six foot three, six foot two, six foot one, and six foot. Only one man approached who was under six feet. What I'm saying is, you know, you're if you're going to go for absolutely everything, you're going to go for height, wealth, status. He's super good looking. He has a chiseled jawline. His family is well connected. He has a bunch of degrees. If you're going to go for all that, I'm going to tell you right now what you're going to get. If you aren't either extremely attractive yourself and very young, you'll get crickets. There's just nothing. You will not wind up with anybody. If you are very good looking and very young, 
you might be able to get this guy, although you are in competition with all the other women in that category and there aren't that many men in that category. You might get the guy, but I'm gonna tell you something else you're gonna get. You're gonna get somebody who cheats on you. I can almost guarantee it. I can almost guarantee it. If he's never been married before and he's got height and lots of money and great social connections, he's got absolutely everything. Research indicates he will almost certainly cheat on you, almost certainly. And if that's not a problem for you, go right ahead. If it is a problem for you, I would encourage you to give that a, a long, hard think. So do you have time for one or two more questions? Yeah, they have time to listen to me. I have time to talk to them. All right, there's some questions that came in quite a bit ago. I wanna make sure we get to them. She says, I've recently met a guy who seems like on the rebound, we slept together, now he's giving me mixed signals. Uh, let's talk about some CPR for relationships where sex was had a little bit too soon. First of all, as far as, as rebounds, some people are on the rebound, some aren't. I'm going to trust you on this, but just because somebody got out of a re relationship recently doesn't mean necessarily that they're rebounding. A lot of people um, were done with, with that relationship for months or even years before it actually ended. So as far as uh, what to do if you slept together and now he's not showing interest, Two things. If you only slept with him one time, you can say to him that you feel like that happened too fast and um, that you've realized that you didn't know him well enough to go there and that um, you're willing to still date without sex, but you're not willing to date with it until you've known each other better than that. And, you know, that might work and it might not. If you've slept with him a bunch of times, that's not going to work. He's going to wonder, okay, why do you suddenly, that's just bizarre. Like if it happened one time, yes, a bunch of times, no. So I'm going to assume that you slept with him more than once and he's cooled off on the relationship. And if that's the case, what I would advise you to do is, because he's giving you mixed signals, is, is say to him, you know, um, it doesn't seem to me like you're really into this relationship and I'm not really into a relationship where the guy isn't really into me. So um, I'm going to go and uh, live my life and start dating other people. And if you get clear that you want me and I'm still single, I encourage you to reach back out. And if you don't, that's okay. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna move on. Men do not get clearer because we came closer to them. They get clearer because we backed away. Mm -hmm. And it's going to really help you because you will be freed from the hell, and it is hell, of not knowing where you stand. He will get clear very quickly about whether he really wants you or not. And you will therefore get clear very quickly about whether he wants you or not. And in the meantime, you really will be living your life and recovering from this and getting ready to move on to somebody who heavily prioritizes you and gives you consistent signals that he wants you, which you deserve. We all deserve that. If you're looking for some in-depth support, head over to my website, loveandlifemedia.com and click on the work with me tab to schedule a consultation. Consultations will help you clarify underlying emotional and psychological concerns. We'll target limiting beliefs and thought patterns. We'll learn empowering techniques from cognitive therapy to sustainably elevate your mindset and mood. We'll identify relationship dynamics which are impeding your goals. 
and we'll together generate a concrete plan for moving forward to help you thrive in love and life. Schedule your consultation today at loveandlifemedia.com. I'd love to work with you. All right, the final question. So I have never truly been in love or felt truly loved by a man. Any advice, words of encouragement? Yes, first of all, you will be. (laughs) It happens to nearly everybody who makes an effort. So if you make an effort, it's very, very likely to happen. I I put odds at much greater than 90%. So you will be, just hasn't happened yet. And uh, the, the advice I can give you is, you know, I I really love science-based books, and if there was more than one book like this, I would tell you about it. There are a lot of books about long-term relationships that are based on science, but this is the only start-to-finish dating advice book that's based entirely on science that talks in a friendly conversational tone from the time that you start mentally preparing to find the love of your life until you're thinking about whether moving in or committing, or if you have to break up how to deal with that. It's the only one. So I really encourage you to get that because then you won't be guessing You know, we go to experts for our teeth, to our taxes, and then we just let things happen with our love life. And it doesn't have to be that way. It's not hard. This isn't rocket surgery, as one of my friends says. (laughs) It's really not hard, but it's also not intuitive. So, you know, just get the information and, and get real love in your life because you can do it. Yeah. And there is, I did an episode, gosh, it's been over a year now, about the science of hope. And our, our mindset and our expectation, and if we believe that something's available to us, there's research to back that up as well. And I remember a study that was uh, looked at students' GPA and looked at their past academic record. They were college freshmen. They also looked at their level of hope for how well they would think they would do at the end of the semester. And the, the variable that actually was predictive of them doing well in that first semester was how much hope that they had and belief that they could do well, and not their GPA, not their prior academic record. So... The first thing you even said, of course, look to the science, read the books, get educated, look to experts for support. But I love that you just said right off the bat, you will find love. You will have love if you want it. And again, that's research-based. If you want love in your life and you start getting intentional about it, start doing the research you need to be savvy and, and effective on the dating scene, you will find love. And I do believe that. I do believe And I know that that's, it gets hard to maintain hope. We've spoken to that in this conversation as well. We, when we've been kicked around, which... You have, I have, many of us have. I don't think anyone gets through, I don't know, by the time you're 22, have we all been kicked around a little bit in the, in the game of love? So it's something that we all experience, but maintaining that hope and that belief and then putting some action behind it to get ourselves educated in what we need to know to be savvy, successful, and remain high status. Absolutely. Anybody, any thoughts for the guests today? Uh, Kara says, appreciate this conversation so much. Yes, this com- another question came in. This conversation will be saved on my platform. Thank you so much, you guys. If you want more of Dr. Welch, which I know you do, buy her book. She's got her revised love factually is available now. She also has ebooks. You've got the attachment one. That's one of our conversations that has been the most popular because people mm-hmm. are very concerned about attachment and, and trying to make sure that their attachment to their caregivers and their in their family of origin isn't going to be detrimentally influencing their pursuit of love. So you speak to that. Most books are what they're like $3.99 on Amazon, right? I mean, so they're very accessible. Yeah, I have a series of really short books. They're only available in ebook, but 
there were certain topics people kept asking me about again and again and again. So I made really short books that just address that one thing. And then, you know, it kind of gives people a taste for whether they want to read more as well. Mm -hmm. But this is the book that I recommend for the vast majority of people. And if they already have children, even if their children are grown, I recommend Love Factually for single parents and those dating them. Or if you're dating somebody who has kids, I recommend that one. But hope is the realistic stance. I just want to end with that. In science of relationships, all, the vast majority of people who want to wind up permanently partnered. They might not get it the first time. They might not get it the second time, but they do wind up permanently partnered if that's what they really want. And, you know, one of the things that gave me hope when I was in my 50s starting to date again, I mean, that's most women experience that as a really hard time to date. One of the things that gave me hope was I knew that most women just take themselves out of the mating market. I really didn't have stiff competition. You know, whatever you, if you catch yourself thinking, I belong to X category and therefore men aren't going to choose me or people aren't going to choose me. Keep in mind that you aren't that unique. That thought that you have, that you're in X category, the other people in whatever the category is also think that. And try as I might, not everybody's going to read my book, which means that those of you who have, have a big leg up. Hope is realistic. When other people take themselves out of the mating market, they're not your competition. However awesome they may be, they're not your competition. So when you become informed, when you do the things that help connect with the gender that you desire and help you feel better about yourself while you're doing it, because I'm all about feeling really good while you're doing this, then hope is the realistic option. You're going to get this. You just, just don't take yourself out of the running. Keep doing the things. It'll happen. I love that. And you will be equipped and prepared for the dating scene if you go to the science, which Dr. Welch has provided for all of us in her revised book. Again, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, everyone who's been watching. We appreciate the interaction. It's been a real joy, a real treat, and uh, let's do it again soon. It's been great fun. Thank you so much. The love and life hack for this week is date smarter, not harder. I loved what Dr. Welch said about the clients with whom she works, that so often they're hesitant to take on these new strategies and approaches, but once they do, they never go back to their old ways. For more research-based dating advice, check out my free Empowered Dating Playbook. You can grab that at loveandlifemedia.com. And when you do so, you'll be on my newsletter list so we can stay better connected. Take charge of your thoughts. Take charge of your life. This is Dr. Karen Anderson Abril. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson Abril.